right, everybody. Uh, welcome back to Top Bins with Twins. How are we doing, Luke? We are doing terrible. <laughs> this game week has been torture. It's been yeah. so bad. Um, you know, I'm so optimistic. We're five game weeks into FPL at this point, so there's a lot more games to be played, a lot more opportunity, but it's pretty bad right now. It's dude. It's um. It's been one of those days for me, and this all kind of sums up like our whole. I think both of our FPL experiences this weekend. I went to Starbucks today, which I do go to a lot of local coffee shops, so people don't come at me for that. Like Starbucks, it's okay every once in a while. But I was I went to Starbucks today, and I ordered, and I went to the drive-through, and there was this really nice guy. We were just chatting, and he was like, "So how's your day going?" And I said, "Thank you." <laughs> it's just one of those days, and like. Oh man, it it just, just kind of FCL weekend, you know. Like, just gotta ride the wave. You gotta ride the wave, right? We're gonna just move on past it, and we're gonna dive into a subject of who we think are gonna be the top ten FPL assets moving forward, which yes. I think yes. is gonna be beneficial for both of us to kind of focus on other things than. Yeah, and I, on top of that as well, it helps everyone kind of reorient themselves after a really bad week right whenever this happens we you know want to rush to make transfers or transfer out all of our team when reality i think a lot of people have really good teams it was just a really bad week um it was unfortunate really if you look at the top 10 scores of this week i think three of them are more than 10 percent owned right and that that makes it incredibly difficult Right. Um, so there's a lot more going on in this week that we can talk about. But um, I think, you know, as us Holland captainers, we can be very upset that, I mean, he had six chances and and literally could have had four goals. Here's the thing. Last year, if he got six chances at the right time of the season, he would have scored seven goals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God, you know, it's just such good point. Uh, frustrating. So um, those Madison, Son, Salah captainers, um, they dodged a bullet, honestly. Um, so props to them. You know who you are. You know who we're talking to here. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know who you are. Yeah. But I do want to say, um, after a bad week, that's fine. You know, we bounce back and keep going and we learn from our mistakes. So. Uh, exactly. That's that's part of the the joy and the pain of FPL. You know, you have weeks where you end up top 50 in the world and you're like man i'm just flying flying what what do you say have you ever been top 50 in the world top 50k top Um, i was like top 50 that's news to me (laughs) yeah no that hasn't happened yet but maybe at some point you never know that's the beauty of it too the unpredictability like it's it's possible for that to happen um but yeah it's i think just balancing as, as an fpl manager balance is key it's key to keeping your sure. mentality in the right place. It's key to not making rash decisions. It's key to so many different things that mm-hmm. I think um, I think really the main thing is remembering that we are going into match week six, right? Yes, and sir. there's 38 match weeks. So just keep a steady the ship, you know, we're all yeah. good. We've said this before too, the, the ranks are so tightly packed at this point. You say you have a good week, beat the average by 20, 30 points, you're going to shoot right back up. Um, I'm currently around, I think, 1.3 overall. Um, in two weeks, I went from 60K <laughs> to 1.3 overall. 
that's how bad it's been. But easily make that up too. Exactly. That's the thing is there's there's point. still the time to make up that ground. Um, Paul. So at this point, how about we just briefly say how many points we got so everyone knows. Um, we did put it out on our Twitter account. So be sure to go check that out. You know, like, retweet, share, whatever you may want to. Um, at this point, just laugh at our teams, basically. Yeah. Um, there, were, there were a couple people doing that. <laughs> so, um, you know, it is what it is. We're but, here for the banter. We're here for it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think one of our platforms, whenever we started this podcast is, you know, we, we are here to learn about FPL as well. So whenever we have these bad game weeks, that's okay. You know, we're trying to learn, we're doing our best like everyone else and we're just trying to get better. Yeah. So Luke, this week I'm going to end uh, most likely on 35 points. Okay. And I had basically three returns for my team. I had a Ben White clean sheet. I had a soccer assist. And then a Holland goal when in all actuality, like, I mean, this isn't even a week. I feel like that could like at the Holland, obviously, like if he hauled and he had like what we talked about the XG, what he could have done, his big chances besides mm-hmm. Holland, like the rest of my players really, I didn't feel like I was kind of robbed this week. You know, like I you got know, some weeks, like you leave a week and you're like, there's just absolutely no way this should have happened, but it was just kind of a down mm-hmm. week, you know, like I think like, like I had two Spurs attackers and they just didn't work well until the last 10 minutes of the match whenever Son was out and Madison wasn't really involved with the goals, you know? Honestly, I think they did have good opportunities. They possessed a lot of the ball. They had a it ton wasn't of shots. Working. It just wasn't coming yeah, out. It wasn't, it wasn't even like final third. It was more like, you know, that, that very final ball was always misplaced. Um, you yeah. know, never... I, I wouldn't say it's at a fault of any specific player. No. But at the same time, um, in that Spurs match, losing that clean sheet really killed me. Um, <laughs> I ended up on 33 points. I went for double Spurs defense this week, thinking that Sheffield would not score. Of course they did, you know, with the pretty low XG that, you know, I feel kind of bad about them conceding, frankly. That's but if I would have had that that clean sheet, my week would be entirely different because I'd be looking at bone at Madison three points. Well, probably two because he got yellow card. Um, but all around my team, I had three players return. Overall, that was it. I had Saka his assist, Watkins assist, which apparently he's turned into just an assist machine without knowing how to score. And then I had Holland returning as well. So it was a rough week. But, you know, we go again, and there's lots of dead wood that I can cut out and improve my team. So, mm-hmm. And you have two transfers, right, rolling in the next week? Yeah, two transfers, and I think I will be using both of them next week um, with the plan of using a transfer in game week seven as well and then rolling one from into eight so that I can then um, have two coming out of the international break. Good call. Good, good, little, good little thought there. I think so. Um, anything else you want to mention about your team, Luke? Or do we just want to kind of slide into our topic today? Um, no, I don't think I have anything else. I could definitely talk about my team, but I'm good. You know, that's I think that's all we need to cover for the sake of the podcast. Okay. Um, how about we take a little break and we come back and then um, dive into our top 10 assets for FPL? All right. All right, welcome back, everyone. 
So we are going to dive into our top 10 FPL assets um, for the upcoming game weeks. Um, a lot of this I did kind of fixture proof, right? These assets in my eyes, I saw them as being good assets, regardless if they're playing a you know top 16 or if they're playing, you know, a team that just got promoted. Interesting. So that's kind of, so I kind of uh, I didn't do the opposite, but like I really took fixtures into account when I did mine, Luke. Okay, well that's good. Honestly, two yeah. different ways to look at it. Um, yeah. So it kind of gives people a little different of different options there yeah. on the team. Um, so number ten on my list, I went ahead and picked the young Irish Ronaldinho, Evan Ferguson. <laughs> For <her> number ten. <laughs> bold prediction there right that's that's something <laughs> yeah it is right but so the reason why i picked evan ferguson i think he is a player that he's you know built up really nice xg in all of the matches that he's played in um if you look at so whenever they played obviously everyone's going to think of newcastle whenever he had his hat trick he's an xg of 0.91 three goals and then his other return was against Luton in game week one, where he had an XG of 0.89 and scored one goal. In the other matches, he's had um, good XG. So against West Ham, he had an XG of 0.67, didn't score. But that's showing he's getting in those really good positions. Um, the only concern with him, is he going to play week in, week out? Yeah. But I think Valid. with him, as long as he stays healthy, we're probably going to get 25 game weeks out of him, right? In my opinion, that's why I see it. Um, and with how good he converts the ball, anytime he takes a shot, it has a high chance of going in, in my opinion, mm-hmm. just the way he strikes the ball and how, how clinical he can be. If he's on the pitch, I think he's going to be a great asset. And I think he's worth the rotation risk possibly, in my opinion. Yeah, dude, I'm honestly, I'm kind of there with you. I think, um, I think he's a really interesting option for people to look into because, as you know, like this this podcast, like we're just massive fans of Brighton, which obviously Arsenal, you have my heart. I'm there for you. But like we just really enjoy Brighton as they a club and sure, sure. manager and what they're building is just awesome. And off the back of what they did over the weekend against United, where they put in an incredible performance, transitioning out six players, bringing in completely six new the starting eleven. I mean, you just you can't beat it. It's it's, Dude, it's crazy. It's honestly, it's it's so wild to me that people even like, like, I really wonder sometimes if people actually even watch the Premier League because all the coverage about like Manchester United, oh they got beat by Brighton. What the what's wrong? Like Brighton's easily better than Manchester United. Agreed. And I like it. This the discourse around it makes me so mad because like, if it's almost like it's really like people haven't been watching like. Like even like they so there's there was a stat going around that Brighton have beat United four straight times, and last year and this year Brighton honestly well I guess there was a phase that United went through where they may have been better than Brighton but like Brighton are head and shoulders I think better than United especially with all the dysfunction happening at United. Yeah, look at look at their squad right from top to bottom. You say Brighton's B team played United's B team. You would easily take Brighton B team because I mean they rotate half of their squad week in week out, which makes it difficult as FPL managers to know who's going to yeah. play. But if we're willing to ride that kind of you know roller coaster of not knowing who's going to start and just say 
I'm going to accept when he plays, he's going to be a great asset. Yeah. And Evan Ferguson is someone to really look at. Um, but let's move on. Your number 10, Paul, who do you have? Okay. So this one is almost, and so I've actually won two, three players from this team on my list. So it's, yeah, first team. It's first. No? Um, do, you want, do you want to guess which club it is? Yeah, I'm trying to. Is it Arsenal? Nope. Uh, outside mm-hmm. of that, I would say... They're up north. Oh, Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And so, the fixture, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, very fixture-focused. F- but with... So number 10, Harvey Barnes. I love that. I love I, that. I really believe that. So he's had limited minutes this year. And if you look at the stats, let me slide over. He actually has an XGI of, so goals and assists, basically. 1.4. Expected goals and assists. Yeah, we we have, I think the websites we use use different, little different metrics. But, I mean, he's right, right around the same XGI as Isak, Gordon, and um, he's ahead of Tenali. Like, and, and he's played a lot, like, less minutes especially than gordon so for him to be on par with that i think that speaks a lot to like how much he brings whenever he's on the pitch agreed Agreed. and like like we always talk about one of my main things is i'm like i want an attacker that's going to be involved with stuff and they're going to be a focal point and i feel like whenever he's on he's going to make stuff happen for this team he will i mean we saw that at leicester right he Mm -hmm. if he was healthy he'd have these really nice run runs of form um you know, he terrorizes leads for years, <laughs> scoring a goal in almost every game he played them. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think he's a good shout. Um, do you have another Newcastle um, asset as number nine that we could pivot to? Or, um, okay, then let's go ahead and I'll do my number nine then. Yeah, that go for it. Um, my, so number nine on my list. Um, as of last week, a lot of people would have had this person probably two or three on their list but Mm -hmm. this shows how week to week can change and i have son as my number nine um he is no way i do yeah because of his xgi um and i think that richarlson goal is going to kind of put richarlson back on the menu as a number nine which is not good for son's stock in my opinion no it's not so the reason I say this, I honestly want to have Son in my team, frankly, really like looking at it. Mm-hmm. But the next two, they have difficult fixtures, which I really don't think are difficult. I think there are going to be lots of goals in there in those games against Arsenal and Liverpool. That's mm-hmm. not something I'm really worried about. Yeah, I think the North London Derby is about to be crazy. Be incredible. Yeah. And that one, it's an early fixture too. It's earlier yeah, in the day. Nine o'clock on Sunday. Sunday. Um, Sorry, so, go ahead. No, I honestly, uh, that's pretty much all I have on Son, honestly. But I think, you know, he's a great asset. But as of now, maybe pump the brakes a little bit. That's the reason why he's a little bit lower down than top 10 list. Yeah. Um. So it's funny. Like, I had that reaction like, because Son was number nine on my list, too. Really? Mm-hmm. Great minds. Yep. Right up here. Right up here. But kind of the same reasons you like. If he was playing, if we know he's nailed on to play that striker role, like you said, even with the two somewhat tough fixtures they have coming up, 
he would be nailed on and he should be top five in both of our list if he was nailed on and we were certain he was going to be there but we, we're not now we're really not like like you said with the charleston performance and them being in europe like i just have a speculative little speculative feeling right i think he will return at least in one of those next two fixtures right because I had this like sneaking suspicion that Brighton were going to score a lot of goals at United. And everyone seems so surprised when Brighton beat United. Yeah. Not surprised at all. Right. Um, but the surprise was who's playing and you know, how that eventually came out. So I have a similar feeling about Son returning in these next two. I don't think they're quite a hot, quite as hard of a fixture as everyone is alluding to in my opinion. I, yeah. I think it's one of those things that like with Arsenal, like the way Arsenal's gonna want to control that match is gonna cater to Son getting something on the break, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's gonna. I think it is more difficult though because, like, I mean, in the hat trick game, like he, it wasn't Saliba, it wasn't like top top the line defenders. So we'll we'll see how that goes. And here's I also one last little thing on Son. I think it's very likely Tottenham could get a pen at some point against Arsenal, Liverpool. Those are big games. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of pressure and pressure can lead to some poor decisions by defenders, people in the back line. Mm-hmm. And we think the song's on pins. So um, another good reason to have them in the team too. Yeah, no, I completely agree, Luke. Um, let's see. Um, do you want me to go ahead and do my number eight? Since I, since yeah, I are... Go ahead. Yeah, let's pass it over to you. Go for it. Okay, so this one, honestly, I could slide him a little higher, but I kind of just settled on him for where he's at. But it's um, Diaby from uh, Aston Villa. Oh, very interesting. He is on that list as well, but he's higher up. Yeah, that's. I, I think, like, honestly, I see, like, my six, seven, and eight kind of interchangeably. But, like, Diaby, I think we could both really agree that, like, it seems like if anybody's going to have, like, consistent returns and goals because Watkins just isn't what he was or he's just playing differently this year. Diaby seems like the best option to be in be in the villa attack, which they have a run yeah. of fixtures coming up where it's um Chelsea, Brighton, Wolves, West Ham, Luton, and Nottingham Forest. That's a really mm-hmm. good run. That's yeah. Yeah. very enticing. And that's I think that's something that we all we probably want to be part of as FPL managers, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, in all transparency, Diaby's on my list. He's just higher up. So um, yeah. I'll kind of highlight what excites me about him a little later on when mm-hmm. I get to it. But I, I think he's a great shout in that area, um, for sure. He really is outperforming his XG, XA, all those. And that's really, that's what we want to see. You know, someone who's efficient and, you know, doesn't waste their chances. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ollie Watkins. Yeah, this man. This man's struggling right now. He is. Um, okay, so my number eight on my list is Destiny Udobi with Tottenham. I kind of um, figured you'd have him on there. He's got to be up there for me, frankly, just because of how many points he's returned to this point mm-hmm. and his price point. Yeah. Right. Um, he was one of those kind of like diamond in the rough picks that, I mean, he opening week, one point, um, which is not great. He comes back with a five-pointer against United, 12-pointer against Bournemouth, and then a five-pointer against Burnley, and then, you know, two points against um, Southampton. But with his underlying numbers, you know, an XA, a 0.6, XGI, a 0.7, 
Yeah. That's stuff you wanted to be seeing from someone at a, you know, who was 4.5 mil. Now he's 4.7. Understandable. Um, a pretty low ownership, right? Whenever those Luton fixtures come around, I think his ownership is going to skyrocket. Um, that's why I'll be happy that I have two Tottenham defenders. But at this point, Poro is going to be on the bench for two weeks. So, yeah. But I mean, I think Poro too is like he possibly could get you a return in either of those games too. Yeah. You know, and that's someone who would be a good maybe first person on the bench where he could he could easily return and sub on if I need it. Um, but yeah, I think Yudogi, great asset. Like I said earlier on the pod before, I think he's going to skyrocket in value over the course of the season um, and be kind of a mainstay in a lot of teams as Tottenham continue to get better continue to push forward and score more goals and hopefully keep clean sheets too. Yeah. Um, so do you want me to do my number seven or do you want to go? Uh, you just keep rolling and go ahead You do yours. Okay. So the number seventh, the seventh player, sorry, I don't know what I'm saying there. The number seventh. Uh... Number seventh player. The seventh player on my list is Callum Wilson. Really? <laughs> Did we match up again? No, no, no. I actually have him higher. Oh, wow. That means he's significantly higher than. Um, he's quite a bit higher, let me tell you. Very intriguing. So I have Callum Wilson as number seven, just purely because if he's going to be playing, I think he has to be in our teams almost. Mm-hmm. Um, he's dropped in price, so he's 7.8, so you're getting him at a bargain. And he scored two weeks off on the bounce, right? So if he's in there, we know he's going to take pins. That's a huge plus. And he's an excellent pin taker as well. Yeah. So we're not worried about him missing pins. We know Newcastle have a great run of fixtures coming up. The only concern is European football and other competitions as well. So there's a lot of rotation with Newcastle, but it almost feels like that they're priming ESOC to be their Champions League striker. Mm-hmm. Wilson might get Premier League fixtures, um, but ideal, ideal, right? And I think that's why you know he didn't get over thirty minutes in the first four game weeks. You know they want him resting, stay healthy. But I saw a report on Twitter that he was possibly injured. <laughs> he trains separately from the team. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No, it, it was a precautionary kind of thing, I think, but. Oh my God! If he can, if he can't stay healthy, then there's no reason for him to be on these lists, right? But this is assuming he's healthy. Plays mm. vast. He's available for the vast majority of games, so that's why he's number seven on my list. Um, yeah, he had a 0.9 xG against Brentford. You know, a lot of that comes from the penalty, but he still looked really good. And that someone was a match. Those are really good match. It was. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a good one to watch. Um, you know, I think at that point I was probably, you know, not feeling much of that point after the week so far. Um, but it was kind of a nice way to wind down a really, really bad Saturday um, in regards to FPL. Yeah, that was just a kind of fun, um, really match to watch, you know, not necessarily FPL, but um, just a fun, just a fun, um, fun little contest there. Um, Luke, do you want me to go ahead and move towards... Um, yeah. My number let's seven? Let's do your number seven, yeah. So I think this one is spot on accurate, and I don't think I'm wrong. I could be, correct me if I'm wrong, though. But I have number seven on my list is Saka, who I think number, is number seven. 
pretty sure I'm right. I did not do that intentionally, though. But <laughs> look I, at you go. <laughs> I should have. But I, I think it's almost impossible for FPL man for me as an FPL manager to not have Arsenal assets in my team, and that's notwithstanding like me being a fan of Arsenal and all these things. But it's more so like they're gonna get goals. Like Arsenal's gonna score, and mostly like. I, I think you could go Odegaard or Sokka, and I don't think you're really wrong. You can convince me of either. But it just seems like Sokka's going to be involved with a lot of stuff for Arsenal, especially now with Martinelli poss- possibly being out. I actually haven't seen reports about what they think, timeline, any of that stuff yet. Mm-hmm. It just seems like Sokka, especially, hopefully he's unpinned. Hopefully so, because, you know, we want to see that. But, I mean, to me, I think he just... I, I would want, want it, like, to not have an Arsenal asset to me is kind of deficient on my part, you know, as an FPL manager, because I just feel like there's goals there that you can find easily. Yeah, I, I agree. But for me, some of the comments that Arteta is making at the moment are very anti-FPL positive for a lot of managers. Mm-hmm. He's talking about all this rotation he can do within the squad and really, like, Sokka doesn't have necessarily a like-for-like replacement that um, Arteta has shown that he trusts, in my opinion. Yeah. So it seems like Sokka is nailed as long as he's healthy because, I mean, he will have Sokka running out there for, if they play 98 minutes, Sokka will be playing 99, in Arteta's opinion. Um, yeah, which is kind of weird. You would think that, like, yeah. like he, he caters to a lot of what Arsenal wants to do on that wing, like, the control, the ability to cut in, all these things that Arteta wants and to facilitate for other people. But realistically, I mean, like, they've reported that he's had an Achilles issue from last year that's kind of rolled into this year. Like, you would think they'd kind of pump the brakes a little bit on him playing every minute of every game, you know? Yeah, that would make sense. But for some reason, they just they aren't, um, at least up to this point. I think a lot of people honestly kind of thought about transferring him out this week, in my opinion, just because, you know, it was an easy move to go from him to Son. Mm-hmm. And I thought about it a little bit. I'm very glad to, because that would have been transferring out one of my three returners for Son. Um, so I don't know. In my opinion, I think Sokka is a keep for now, but I would keep my eye on him. You know, coming up in game week eight, Arsenal have Manchester City. That's going to be a really difficult matchup. There, it is going to be at the Emirates, so it is in favor of Arsenal in that regard. But at the same time, um, I just don't. I think Saka is someone that I'll be thinking about for a little while to see if I want to keep them in my team or not. So yeah, valid. That's all valid. Play that right here. But um, how about I dive into number six on my list? Go for it. Saka. <laughs> Dude, we, we've been really close on a lot of these. We have been. We think alike, weirdly enough. <laughs> um, yeah, so Sokka's up there. I think we don't really need to dive into it too much because we just talked about him. I gave my opinion, kind of what I'm thinking, but he's a great FPL asset, I think, on the pitch, um, especially if he's taking pens, too. So um, I'll just move on to my number five. Is that good? Yeah, go for it. My number five is Diaby. Okay. This is one of those picks that is pretty fixture dependent. 
Villa have a great run of fixtures coming up um, that I am very excited about as an FPL manager. And Diaby is currently owned by 10% of managers. With that run of fixtures coming, you know, around game week eight. So eight, they go Wolves away, nine, West Ham at home, 10, Luton at home, and forced in 11, then Fulham in 12. That's an incredible run from eight to 12, where they're taking on, oh, yeah. you know, lot of lower tier sides that are going to concede a lot of goals bring all Watkins back in question mark i don't think he's going to leave my team Ooh, spicy he's going to leave my team i think i might just write it out but that's up for you know that can be a discussion for a later podcast yeah Um, yeah keep sorry to interrupt your flow there luke no you're good so diaby um if you look at his numbers He's someone that I normally wouldn't be overly interested in because he he doesn't really pass the data test, frankly. He has an XG of 1.1. He has an XA of um, 0.8. So he's an XG of 1.9. But he has one, he has two goals and two assists. So he's outperforming both XG and XA. Um, and the thing is he's taking up good positions with villas the way they're set up. So I'm very happy with how he's returning up at this point. And I would expect, you know, as they're playing easier competition, that his chances are coming thick and fast, right. To the point of where he's someone that I think a lot of us are going to have in our teams. Um, and, you know, like looking at Kyle's wildcard team, Diaby's in there for a reason, you know, um, yeah. he definitely picked him for a good reason. So um, someone that I think we'll all be looking at and, you know, Maybe at some point it must have. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think you bring up valid points there, Luke. It's um, it's somebody that if you're not bringing him now, you should probably be aware of him and keep him on a watch list, like you kind of said. You know. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go over to your number five. So it's actually my number six. Oh, let's backtrack then. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's do simple math. <laughs> All right. So we're. Do you do you want to guess? Like, play a game. You guess. See if you can guess my number six. Trippy. Very close. Um, James Madison. Whoa! Oh wow! Okay, interesting. This is gonna be fun. You thought he he's probably like number one or number two for you, isn't he? Or like top? He's he's top three for you, isn't he? He's, he's up top. I'll say that right now. Yeah, for me, I mean, I just think that the people I put above him. I think have a better run of fixtures. And I also like, obviously like I fully believe in James Madison, like no doubt he should be nailed on everybody's team, but the people I listed above him, I don't know. I just feel a little bit better about that because I think I do doubt Spurs a little bit for the Arsenal match and Liverpool. Like it's not that I doubt them, but it's kind of like they've had relatively easy fixtures so far. And they're going to be tested a little bit more going forward in these next two matches. So I'm not transferring them out. I'm not doing any of that. But like, I'm thinking maybe like, honestly, did you see the quote that Ainge put out about um, a reporter asked him the question of like, basically in telling what, what would you say to the fans like that are just like totally losing their minds over the start of your season, blah, blah, all this stuff. And he was like, I wouldn't say anything to them. He's like, I, I want them to enjoy this. Like, this is a great 
start to the season for us. Like, I'm, I'm not going to crush anybody's dreams. Like, what if we, what if we do it? You know, like that kind of mentality. And he just seems like a really cool dude. Did you see his other quote as well, where they were like, they said, what do you think about this spectacular start to the season? And the first thing he said was spectacular start. We lost our world-class striker. I wouldn't call that a spectacular start. Yeah. And it just proves a point. Like he's making do with a team that, is, that lost the second highest goal scorer in the Premier League ever. Yeah, ever. That's crazy. And they're scoring yeah, all these goals. Yeah with you know he's he's not piecing things together but it just goes to show like in order for a team to be good and progressive you have to put everyone in the right positions to succeed and he's mm-hmm. he's doing that yeah, yeah but for the for madison we'll we'll see my list above him my top five and i'll kind of detail reasons why i think other people are better so we'll we'll roll okay. with that yeah. um okay well let's go to your number five then okay number five karen trippier Ah, close. You're I very figured close. You're yeah. very close. Um, but I mean, look, looking at um, Trippier is an asset over this year. He had, I think, like six points going into this last match week, which is just mm-hmm. unheard of. It's just insane. I mean, there's a reason why he was priced at six point five starting the year. He was an absolute beast in FPL last year and got mm-hmm. continued turns, clean sheets. I kind of died out a little bit towards the end of the year with Newcastle. But Trippier is a large portion of their team controlling the pace of the game, control like helping with the attack, defending. He does everything for them. And he's a bonus point machine. Like this man is producing in all facets of the pitch. So he's, I think he's somebody, especially when you look at the run of fixtures, you go Sheffield, Burnley, West Ham, Crystal Palace over the next four. I see a good chance of clean sheets in three of the four, maybe four or four. Like at West mm-hmm. Ham is a lot better this year, so that that's going to be a lot tougher fixture for them. But to me, that game probably is going to be one nil, maybe one to one, zero zero. Like, I think. This- yeah, I think actually, I think Newcastle is a team that's set up really nicely to go against West Ham. They're yeah. not; they don't commit too many men forward, so West Ham don't really have the opportunity to break the way they're going to want to. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to frustrate them and maybe even draw them out a little bit and get them out of that really low block that they play. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um. Yeah, Trippier. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna do everything for them. He's on corners still, right? I think he's still on corners, mm-hmm. certain side. So he he has chances of returns, and he also has really high chances of clean sheets going forward. So I think he's gonna be an asset. The people are he's he's probably gonna be coming to my team this week. Yeah. I'd say. I you know it's someone I'm considering as well. He is he's a great asset, um, and I'm gonna be honest, he didn't make my top ten. Purely because I kind of forgot about him. <laughs> so he, he oh, would have been in my top fraud alert. Luke's on fraud alert. No, I'm not. I'm not. Um, but I kind of wanted to be a little creative with mine too. Um, and I figured he'd be yours. So that's kind of the reason why I didn't make my team. But definitely someone to target for our teams. Yeah. And he's an incredible asset. Like you said, bonus point machine. All of those things, you know, he he's someone that I think we should be given. Um, the only fear would be rotation because of European football, in my yeah. opinion. So, um, yeah, uh, just keep going, Paul. Let's see your number four. Okay, so this is going to be the man from Brentford, Brian, my dude. He just seems like he's going to be in the goals this year. Like, it really seems with Tony out that he's going to be producing in Brentford. Like, 
I, I don't know, like it, Thomas Frank system, they just seem to find a way to find goals from all these different places, whether it's on the break, whether it's drawing pins, whether it's doing like, they just put teams in a lot of uncomfortable situations with the way they play. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like he's going to be at the figurehead of that until Tony comes back, which is till, and I think it's after the Christmas break. So it just seems, and especially for his price point, I mean, what is he like 6.8, 6.9 now? Like that, like, uh, that's, he's that's 6.9. yeah he's risen in price four times um so that's why like i mean he's he's i think it's just so hard like i mean there's that midfield bunch is like it's really hard to find a like a mid-price midfielder because there's so many options and i think he is the i guess the gemstone of those those mid mid-class uh, midfield assets you know yeah, he's definitely been the diamond amongst the rough of 6.5 minutes. And they haven't been rough. You know, they've all performed really well. Oh, they've well. been good, but he's been Marsh and great. Gabby, um, Kudus is one of the new additions to that. But I mean, if you look at him, his XGI has been incredible. Um, his XA has also been good as well. Like, he, he's doing everything for Brentford. And he's on pins, too. So he's someone that if you don't have him in your pins. Yeah. He's someone, if you don't have him in your team, you want him in your team. But if you've had him up to this point, he's been a huge differentiator for your team as well. Um, so I love him, and that's why he's number four on my list as well. <laughs> Man, we're killing it. We're, I knew we'd be pretty similar, but we're we're right on. We are. Um, just some stats to highlight to kind of build off of what you're saying. Um, according to the FPL, official FPL website, he has um, – Obviously, four goals scored, zero assist, an XG of 4.1, an XA of 0.9, so an overall XGI of five. Um, so he's even underperforming his numbers, which is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, let's be honest. I don't think we expected any crazy returns from him against Newcastle. That's going to St. James. That's a okay. really difficult matchup. Um, you don't necessarily and i think honestly brentford can feel like they were kind of a point was stolen from them with that penalty shout mm-hmm. um, that was you know if some if a brentford fan is upset about that i could see why they'd be upset in my opinion yeah but all around they have amazing fixtures coming up too um with everton at home that looks very juicy um with how bad everton have been up to this point they have nodding and forced away which will be difficult um going to forced always tough and you know we'll, we'll see how that pans out but then they've united away which actually turns out maybe a great fixture <laughs> everybody make sure you target manchester united on your fixture list this year um and then they have burnley at home right sure. so a really good you know out of their next six they have four really good fixtures that we'd all be excited about if we had brentford players in our squads so mm-hmm. uh, yeah I, I agree with you, Paul. I think Mbomo is an excellent shout for our teams. Um, so shall I just go ahead and go to number three on my list? Yeah, rip it. Go for it. Number three on my list is the Egyptian king, Mohammed Salah. Yep. Um, I think that he has been overlooked vastly this season by a lot of the FPL community because of his price point, right? We see this and we get worried about how expensive he is, um, and that kind of throws a lot of people off. But in my opinion, I think if you can make a team that you're happy with 
and have him in there, he's a good person to have in. Um, so basically, if you're wildcarding, I would suggest if you can build a team you like with him, go for it. You know, there's at this point, I've seen enough to make me say, if you can get him in and you're comfortable with that team, more power to you. Yeah. I think it's a good decision. Um, but overall, you know, he has um, an XA of 2.08, which he has four assists. So he's way overperforming that. If we look at this, he's vastly overperforming his XA. He does have an XG of 2.7 with two goals. So he's underperforming his XG. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it feels like the returns might be justified overall, but that XG is spiked by that penalty he missed. Um, yeah. And, you know, he eventually converted it, but, you know, his XG is not where you want it to be necessarily for that price point. So it's going to come down to individual managers, but I think he has to be in everyone's thoughts. If you can get him in and, you know, you're okay with that price point, then he is almost a must-have at this point. Yeah. I totally would agree with you, Luke. He actually is higher in my list, but we'll talk. Uh, honestly, I agree with all your points, and we'll just kind of point back to that whenever I bring him up on my list because he's, I think he's, I know the price point is difficult, but what you're going to get out of him, it's consistent, you know? Yes. Something yep. indeed. All right. So, number three on my list is Callum Wilson. Callum Wilson. All right. With, um, there's a very large asterisk besides this because as we always talk about in the pod, the main thing with him is the minutes and is he going to be on the field? But like you were saying with Isak, I really believe right now that the way it's working out is it seems like Isak, like you said, is going to be the Champions League striker and they're going to deputize Wilson for the Premier League, which is just something that I love to see because I think Isak has the ability to score hat tricks, do all these things, but it just seems like Wilson, when he's in, he's going to score one or two a game. And if we can get that consistently going and have those like just basically expected returns as an FPL manager, that's that's all you could really wish for, you know, like Agreed. Agreed. consistent Agreed. numbers that that's how we avoid weeks like this week, you know, which which try means <laughs> we try to we, we really just try to hedge for that because, I mean, like this, this hurts your weeks like this hurt your overall rank. They hurt your morale. But. Part of it is just having the right thought process. And I think if Wilson has the minutes, if he has the time on the pitch, he's going to get, he's going to give you consistent returns. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with that. Um, there's a reason why he was in my top 10 as well. You know, I think he's, he's a great asset to have someone that um, at this point, I mean, with his ownership, I think it's, I don't know what it is at the moment. I think it's around 10% or so, maybe uh let me look real fast but with that ownership he is a great asset because he can be really explosive too yeah uh, we're looking. yeah he's at 5.3 ownership right now yeah uh, great differential and with great fixtures coming up too definitely a good person yeah. to have in the team yeah like i like obviously you can tell from my list i'm super high on newcastle going forward just because mm -hmm. i mean they had a rough start of the year but it was like their fixtures are so difficult yeah, like, and if you look at it, their fixture. points total, their points total overall in the league and the table was above where they were last season, right? Yeah. 
So a lot of this is knee jerk. You know, it's early on. There's a small sample size, but Newcastle are going to be just fine, in my opinion. Yeah, and also another big thing too with Newcastle is is they've had a lot of new pieces they're integrating into the squad this year also. So mm-hmm. it's kind of just like a kind of trial period where they're trying to figure everything out, get familiar with each other, and I think we're going to see over these next these next couple of fixtures who Newcastle really are. And it's going to, I think there's going to be a lot of goals and probably a lot of clean sheets involved too. So. Yeah. And we see hints of that with against Brentford. I mean, they had an XG conceded of 0.54, right? That's, that's really good. I mean, that's returning to who they were last season. That was their identity is just being solid at the back. Um, and I think that's something that might pivot more back towards a little bit yeah. because, you know, they're conceding more like Brighton, they scored and conceded three goals. Um, Liverpool that they conceded to Brentford and zero, you know, so they're moving in the right direction there. Um, that's what we want to see, especially if we're bringing in those defensive assets, which is obviously not Wilson, but. What? Um, no, no, that's what I'm, I've been saying, dude. I think he's going to play as a center back. That, that's what I've been saying this whole time. An out of position striker playing center back. That would break FPL. <laughs> somewhere, somewhere Pep is looking, listening to this podcast being like, this is it. This is it. He's thinking that means Philip must play as left back. <laughs> no, pause, pause, pause. What what are you sitting here thinking? Is I need to get Harry Maguire. He's gonna <laughs> score goals. <laughs> oh man, let's not beat him too bad. Harry Maguire's already gotten a bad enough rap. So no, I I feel bad. I feel bad for him. I do at this point. I feel bad for him. Okay. Moving on, number two on my list. Go ahead. James Madison. Okay. I I fully, I will not argue with you on this. I think we just have different placements and everything, you know? Yeah, he um, he's at the heart of everything that Tottenham are going to do this season. If he stays healthy and is, you know, nothing drastically changes within their system, James Madison is going to be a must-have for every single team in my opinion every um, match week of the of the season too yeah someone who's fixture proof who i don't know if you necessarily would want to captain him um you could get it correct you know you know on a given week perhaps but i just see him as someone who's continually ticking away i have a question go ahead sir what is your question um what do you think is the maximum price point? Like, let's just say we're like reclassifying price points right now. What's the maximum? Um, sorry, I had a little technical issue there, but um, what's the maximum that you would pay for him to be in your team? Like, if he was at a solid number, would you still have him in? No, no, that's too much. That's way too much, in my opinion. I think he, if he's. Between nine to nine and a half, I would go for nine and a half. I think, um, with like Rashford price point basically somewhere around there. Yeah, like if he was at the same price as Son, I would definitely have him over Son, in my opinion. But at the same time, that's half the reason why he's such a great asset, um, and why I think should be in everyone's team is because he he is underpriced with how Spurs are playing, how forward thinking they are, um, and he's on set pieces. He takes corners. All of these things adding up together just make him the prime, a prime FPL asset to own in our teams. Yeah. Um, at this point, just to look at the underlying numbers, he's an XG of 1.8. Uh, 
he has an XA of two, and he has two goals and two assists. So he's about on par with his numbers as of now. Um, and, you know, they've played Brentford, Manchester United, Bournemouth, Burnley, and Sheffield. So amongst all of those, you know, coming out with about on par on your goals and assist is something I'm happy with. Um, and their their fixtures do really turn at game week eight with the start of Luton away. And that is a very, very enticing fixture. Yeah. And like we've said, like I like I think I'm skeptical of Spurs a little bit going into the Liverpool and Arsenal matches, but I also think that those they're still gonna score goals. Like I'm skeptical of them as a team and getting like results from these, but as FPL managers, like I'm not worried about Madison getting returns. Like I, I think he's gonna be involved with whatever they do, you know. Think about this, right? Compare the way Spurs have been playing to Arsenal. Who do you think has in better form? Spurs. Right. And at the same time with Martinelli out, that's a major, major player for them that is going to limit a little bit of how they play. Trossard's amazing. He He's incredible. He doesn't have that burst that Martinelli does or the creativity necessarily in the same way. Um, he's a different profile. It, it It's different, but also like, I think if you bring Trossard and Jesus into the squad together, like Trossard and left Jesus up top, I, I think Arsenal's as much as like Mart missing Martinelli sucks, I think they're going to be fine with those two coming back in, you know. But think about how much have Trasard and Jesus played together. I just don't know if they have that time on the pitch that makes me, you know, excited to see them playing together, right? If it was Martinelli on the left and Jesus up top, I would feel much better about that. So, yeah, just I mean, there's... Kind of comparing to. so just for the type of players that Trasard and Jesus are and their ability to, play in tight spaces and honestly just wreck havoc on defenders. I, I'm not worried about it at all. I'm really not. Okay. Yeah. No, that I mean that makes sense. I get that. Um but in my opinion, I just ultimately I'm trying to say I think the Tottenham are going to score a lot of goals um over the next, you know, four to five fixtures. And James Madison is going to be at the heart of a lot of what they're trying to do there. Okay. Yeah. No, I I I I agree with you there, Luke. All right, so do we want to slide to my number two pick? Let's do it. It's also it's the Egyptian king, as uh, you mentioned earlier. I think it. all of their, I mean, their run of fixtures are really turning well for them. Let me see, I can pull it up real quick. So they have West Ham, Tottenham, Brighton, Everton, Nottingham Forest, and Luton, and I think. If you look at it, the West Ham, these fixtures aren't necessarily the best run of fixtures or not. Not the best isn't the right way to phrase that. But like looking them on face value, they're not easy fixtures as for Liverpool as a club. But I think for Saul, there's going to be goals and assists in all these games, really. And mm-hmm. he, for what for what he does and the way he's like kind of adapting his game now to be to not just being a prolific goal scorer, but he's also turning into a great assist man now it's it, it's gonna be really hard to pass up and the price point's the main thing like we always know us all like that's something that if you didn't set your team up originally if you're not wild carding it's hard to like work them in your team and make it manageable and like not take a hit not just rework your whole team for him so 
I think if it's manageable, he's going to be really hard to pass on with those running fixtures. But it's also, like I said, it's a little difficult to get him in if you don't already have him. In my opinion, you know, a good pathway to get there is going from either Rashford or Bruno if they're in your team and making that move to Salah. That's something that I would, you know, be a big fan of in my opinion. Um, because we can see with United, there's just a lot going on there right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the most reliable for FPL. You know, they could return, you know, on any given week, but consistently, I think Salah is a better option. And going from them to Salah, you know, obviously, you're going to need to make another transfer unless you have a ton of money in the bank. But Salah seems a lot better point route to points, even though they do kind of have some difficult fixtures coming up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. They do. I think obviously neither of us have a United player in our top 10. So at this point, United just need to, we need to wait for them to figure their stuff out. And maybe later in the season, Rashford, Bruno will be viable. So we'll, we'll sit, we'll watch and see what they do. Hoyland's someone that's interesting to watch too. Um, yeah. I, his physicality is impressive, but um, we need some more time seeing him in the prim. And it's kind of similar to Nicholas Jackson. Like that transition is really difficult. And uh, sorry, I didn't mean to bring up any hurt feelings there. Um, Yeah, Jackson just, um, you know, he's struggling. And I don't want to be that person to, you know, dig deeper into struggles. So we just won't go there. But the Premier League is difficult. And, you know, adapting to that pace can take some time. Yeah, just um, real quick thing for everybody listening. I think Chelsea and the whole Jackson situation is something that is easily like just explained by the fact that Nkuku's out. Like he was going to be the talisman of their attack, and I think he'd make Jackson's life so much easier because obviously Jackson's still young. He's still learning. He's still working on a lot of things in his game, but he has a lot of really good assets as a player. Like, there's a lot of moments he's had where, I mean, he's obviously putting himself in good spots. Look at his XG, you know. He just isn't converting right now. And I think Nkuku would make those chances a lot easier for him. Because, like, he's in the right spots. Or he's he's been in the right in the, in the the right moments sometimes. I think if you watch him, sometimes you can see that, like, maybe they just haven't figured out where they want everybody to be yet. You know, but he, not, not to go a whole rant on Jackson, because obviously I've owned him and he's, been difficult to own but kind of to defend him a little bit it's i think it's kind of missing players them trying to figure stuff out and it's not it's as like people that watch soccer that understand soccer we know it it takes 11 people to play the play the match you know it's it's not ever on one person it's not ever one little moment there's 90 plus minutes in a game like one little moment can define a match but it's also not the whole match too you know so exactly exactly sorry i'm trying to find this tweet right now um where someone put together the entire price of brighton starting 11 right it was was like 17.9 million yeah so then i after that i went through just for fun and added up the price of chelsea starting 11 it was somewhere around 354 million pounds yeah they had two on freeze i think uh well no, two academies, so Cowell um, and Gallagher, and then Tiago Silva was a free. So that's amongst eight players in your starting 11. And that's with Caicedo on the bench um, and Cuckoo, who they paid, I can't remember how much. It was like 60 to 70, right? 
it, it's just crazy. Um, so obviously, did you see the stat floating around that? Um, so I think United and um, who was the second one? It was United and Chelsea, who we were just talking about. Um, they have the two largest like squad expenditure mm-hmm. of any teams in the world. It was like 1.2 billion and like 1.1 billion. It's That's crazy. Yeah, it's there's just too much money in football. Honestly, in my opinion, we can, you know, get on that That's argument. That's a whole other discussion. But I think going back to Chelsea, right? This speaks of a systemic, organizational issue where they do not understand, for whatever reason, that you cannot just splash money on people because they're expensive you have to strategically build a team and that takes time right well so Luke, what you go ahead keep going I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead. all i'm trying to say here if you're chelsea clearly piecing together these players who you know are respectively good in the environment that they're coming from it's not working trying to piece this all together at one time um so yeah. I think they need to change or they need just need to lower the expectations knowing that we spent a ton of this money, but let's say it's going to take two years, right? Before we're really kind of competing and maybe one of the, like even looking at top six again. And I don't think they want to do that. So I don't know what the answer is for them, frankly. So what I really think, I think there's so much hypocrisy within that organization that they can't step away and be like, we actually really don't know what we're doing. And realistically, what they should be doing is they should be going to clubs like Brighton and they should be taking their money and they should be bringing in people that are making the decisions at Brighton, people that are making decisions at Brentford. They should be going after their sporting directors, after people that well, established their club. They already tried that, right? <laughs> um, they, I mean, they hired Graham Potter's entire staff and eventually paid him out an ungodly amount. So uh, that's enough on Chelsea, I guess. Um, but our number one, we don't even think, I don't think we need to say who it is. It's Erling Holland, mm-hmm. you know, the Norwegian giant. He had a bad week this week, game week five. Would have loved for him to get a hat trick. That would have been very, very nice, but unfortunately he did not. But nevertheless, Holland is the best FPL asset in the game right now. There's no question about it. He, his ceiling is who knows where, right? I wouldn't be shocked if we have a four or five goal match at some point from him. And his floor, I mean, almost every week, regardless of who they're playing, you feel like he's going to get at least one goal. And with a lot of captaincy, we can't say that. So Holland, in my opinion, has to be number one. I don't think there's a lot of debate for anyone else being up there. Guys, don't don't play the game, um, the Holland game, where you try not to – he has to be in your team. The captaincy thing, you can kind of roll the dice with. Like, obviously, for some people, it probably worked out this week, you know, this past week. But just remember, there's always the chance he can get three goals and two assists and honestly, any given match. He's yeah. he's just that explosive. And he's in the system Manchester City played. They're trying to figure what they are this year out. And whenever they really figure it out, he's going to be even more unlocked again. Like, I don't, I don't think he's going to touch the goals. Like, that he got last year that total i don't think so but who knows we'll see like he he he's gonna go through spurts where he's gonna just get a ton i don't know i think that this season 
the three promoted sides are not nearly as strong as the three that were last year. Uh, I, I see. I see where you're going. And first. in my opinion, that means that he could easily have that four, five goal, like he did in Champions League last season. Mm-hmm. And that is going to skyrocket his total. Say he does that twice. I mean, mm-hmm. if he gets 10 goals across the two games, he could easily beat what he did last season. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, something to keep an eye on. Fear not Captain Holland because we all should. If you go against him, be ready to be burnt. I was burnt once this season already, and I will, you know, be very scared to go back and get hurt again. Yep. It's a dangerous game to play. It is. Um, well, I think we are at the end of this pod. Paul, do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners? Um, I think, like we kind of talked about at the beginning of the podcast, and we talk about this a lot as FPL managers, that let's just remember there's 38 match weeks. We're going into match week six, so we're still early on. There's a lot of ground to be made up. There's a lot of ground to be lost if you started really well. So just maintain the course, do your research, play your own game don't i think one of the big things i want to tell people to avoid is don't fall into the trap of looking at people's teams on twitter or youtubers or all these different things like build your own team but if if it lines up with what other people are doing that's perfectly fine but play your own game and do whatever you want as an fpl manager you know it's your team one of the funniest things i taught i thought that i saw on twitter this week at least over the weekend was seeing people trying to fight to see who had a worst worst week um where it's like yeah. i'm 8.6 overall but then someone's like no i'm 8.65 overall <laughs> for the week um, and that that's just kind of a little fun part of fpl twitter um that yeah. i thought was really funny and non-toxic which is good to see um my my last point that i think i'll make is well last two points i would not make any rash transfers because of one bad game week um it's very easy to do that very easy to be upset with specific players that they're missing chances but keep in mind that if you pick players you pick them for a reason and continue to believe in them unless it's been you know for unless it's been all five game weeks where they're really just out of form or not playing not in good positions then it's time to make a change i think but um yeah so i think that's my final point and also to my to my second final point be careful about European competitions. Um, definitely don't make those transfers before teams play. We want to make sure they're fit and healthy. And, you know, let's hope it doesn't happen, but players pick up injuries. So be careful about who you're transferring in if you're doing it early. Yeah, I think that that's a really good point. Like the, the European fixtures are, they're back, they're right back here. So we got a another added layer of FPL has come across. Yeah. This that's true. Yep, we got to be careful. So, well, I think that's going to do it for us. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, it's been a really fun podcast. It was cool to just lay out the top 10 FBL assets. So, we hope you guys enjoyed this as well. Um, and we will talk with you next week. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.